Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. The Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, who is uh, on the Pacific Ocean, first ocean podcast we've done in a while slash ever. Today, we're going to talk about Premier League uh, after the first weekend, and there's been a lot of happenings on the injury front and the transfer front. Then we're going to talk a little week two of the NFL preseason, uh, just the macro look at those. Then we'll get into one of my favorite markets, uh, which is the US Open outright on the women's side uh which is pretty wide open unlike the men's side but we'll jump into that but first uh as we watch the ocean go by in the background for drew uh a team that's uh kind of taking a little bit of a dive into the ocean is uh the manchester city with kevin de bruyne who is i don't know fourth fifth best player in the world something like that he's out for four months with a hamstring injury that's a pretty big deal after they already lost Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, so they're down their two best midfielders from last year. Uh, and now all of a sudden, uh, the, the squad looks a little bit more thin uh, and they are still the heavy favourites to win the Premier League outright. They're minus 150, which is very, very short for a team that uh, has its injury problems and is this with this much season to go, aka all of it. Uh, Arsenal behind them, plus 450. Liverpool, 8-1. to one. Man United ten to one, Chelsea, Newcastle fourteen to one. Uh, any lanes on this market, Drew? Well, I mean, Manchester City. I really want to bet against these guys. I just don't know what how to do it, Jay. How do we do this? I mean, Liverpool. I feel like bottled their transfer opportunities to a degree. I wanted to be inspired by Liverpool and maybe grab a price in the eight to one range, but um, you know, I, I really don't in, entirely understand their vision in terms of roster building there. Um, I have a little bit of Chelsea 16 to one in pocket. Thanks to yeah. you. <laughs> that was a, that's now it's shortened to 14 to one. It's not, uh, not enough to really get the, um, you know, any kind of hopes up. I obviously, um, but it, you know, it does feel like to a degree things are a little wide open, um, at least to start the season. So somebody's going to get shortened here. Um, Arsenal, obviously, you know, they, I know they were, um, you know, they were ahead for what, seven-eighths of last season's campaign. Yeah. Uh, they came down to the very end uh, before they uh, ultimately got caught by Man City. But, um, yeah, I mean, it does feel like this thing is way more wide open than actually than expected, and the injuries have a huge amount to do with that. So uh, if you're willing to make a case for someone that I should add in addition to Chelsea, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Um, I'm already disappointed in my, uh, you know, spirited support of, the, uh, of, of Brighton and Hove uh, you know, as, as soon as they start selling off parts, you know, right right after, uh, you know, kind of saying that I was excited about that team's continuity. So uh, I don't really want to give anyone the kiss of death. But, uh, you know, are, are you uh, are you feeling Gunners supporting uh, Liverpool or just ride it out here with Chelsea? 
Yeah, I think Chelsea are interesting. They're the other big team in the news where they've effectively signed Brighton's best player. They signed Crystal Palace's best player, Michael Elise, and they signed Southampton, uh, who are now in the championship, their best player, Romeo Lavia, arguably their best player. Uh, and so now all of a sudden, like they are pretty stocked. At the same time, I think they're probably they're just with the first year under Poch, not sure they'll have the continuity. Not having any European football will help them. Uh, but I think the team is Liverpool. And if you hunt around, you can find some 11 to 1 about Liverpool. I think that's too big. I always find it interesting just to look at look at the money line prices uh, from the first match day. I mean, the Premier League, Premier League money lines are just about the hardest market in the world to beat. It's an extremely liquid market. Uh, tells you a lot about uh, how Sharps evaluate these teams. And the fact that Liverpool closed plus 115 on the three-way money line, uh, decent favourites over Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. I thought that was pretty interesting. And now Chelsea are better than that because they've now signed Caicedo, Elise uh, and Lavia, but that that was still pretty telling. Uh, and also the other thing too is that Liverpool were ready to hand over $100 million for Mo- Moses Caicedo uh, and they don't get him. So they've still got that 100 mil or so in the kitty uh, just waiting to spend on someone. So I suspect that they will upgrade their midfield. Uh, and in the 11 to 1 range, I think they're probably the best bet as an outsider. The other team that's interesting and the team who look like the best team uh, on planet Earth uh, on match day one was Newcastle. Uh, and Newcastle, who, just as a point of reference, they play Liverpool in a week or so, and they're plus 120 uh, on the three-way money line against Liverpool at home, whereas Chelsea were plus 200. Uh, so that's interesting as well that the market definitely rates Newcastle. We're still a fair way out, so it's not as efficient as it will be at close, but also thought that was interesting. Newcastle, I think, just... If they have their full squad and they're rested, I think their starting 11 stacks up to just about anyone outside of City. But the problem for them is that they have to play in the Champions League, which they didn't have to deal with last year. And that is going to disrupt the squad that probably just doesn't have the depth um, of these other teams. So I think Newcastle uh, at full strength are as good as just about anyone, but over the course of a season uh, with the attrition that they'll have to deal with, not too interested in them. But uh, what do you think about Liverpool? Yeah, okay, so um, my player-level ELO makes them the second-best team in uh, the Premier League right now. So the fact oh. that just you know just the fact that they're 8-1, to 11-1, to whatever price you can find, it's, it's enticing. Uh, you're, and you make a great point, having $100 million sitting around to go get uh, you know, a couple more pieces or just one really good piece is, uh, is exciting. So, um, gosh, man. Ah, man, they, should, they, probably should have, they probably should have beaten Chelsea in match day one. And uh, then they, you know, maybe we wouldn't be getting these prices, I suppose. So uh, I guess that's an ad. You know, I just I, I like the I just like the opportunity to bet against City right now, considering uh, what they're going through. And disruption to the midfield is always a huge red flag, particularly early in the season like this. Yeah, if Darwin Nunez, who basically had the ball handed to him on a platter with five minutes or so to go uh, against Chelsea and just miscontrolled it, if he puts that in the back of the net, then all of a sudden I think the vibe around Liverpool uh, is completely different. I don't understand Arsenal being this short at all. Uh, I say that as an Arsenal fan. I just think, look back to last year, they were, I think they were only five expected points clear of Liverpool. Arsenal played the same starting 11, I want to say 88% of the time last year and didn't have to deal with the Champions League. This year, all of a sudden, they're in the Champions League. They're going to deal with more injuries. Timber, their new defensive signing, he's already torn his ACL. They got about half an hour out of him. Uh, And the fact that now you're 
going into Tommy Yasu and Ben White playing out wide, they're already dealing with some depth issues. So I think Liverpool just head-to-head should rank basically even with Arsenal. And the fact that they're double their price doesn't make any sense to me, particularly given the fact that, again, Liverpool came into last season. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think like plus 250 to win the Premier League and Arsenal were 50 to 1. Uh, and then Arsenal finished five expected points above them. And now we're completely flipped. Like it just doesn't entirely make sense to me. So uh, I think Liverpool are the best. Before we get into the NFL preseason, a reminder that with the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide, Drew. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use code DRAFT2023 to save 20% at checkout. All right. NFL preseason week two, the last of the real fake games before we get into the weirdness of uh, NFL preseason week three. Uh, in terms of week one, it was heavy to the overs, uh, seven and one to the over on Saturday and Sunday. Underdogs went nine and five against the spread. Anything to read into that? Or is that just randomness in one week? I, I mean, uh, I don't think there was a ton to read in that. I was more intrigued by just the fact that some of the really, really strong steam sides did not come through at all. Uh, and that felt chaotic. Um, a lot of the results were super random, driven by late, you know, end of game states that were with players who are, you know, 80th on the roster making kind of key plays. It was a very, very weird, weird week one. And I would expect uh, in general that, uh, you know, the informational moves are a little bit more. Um, you know, rewarding this year. That said, I don't get the steam on the Philadelphia Eagles, Jay. I don't, I don't think that they should be, uh, you know, meaningful favorites over the Browns on Thursday. And I think um, I'm going to end up with a Browns position here at some point. I think three and a half is the buy point. I think capturing the three matters a ton in the preseason, particularly this week where we're going to see more of the starters. Now, I know that the Browns aren't going to put Deshaun Watson out there. They're starting with uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to play the first half of this game and Kellamon's going to play the second half of this game. But I absolutely have been blown out of my socks with how well DTR has been operating the quarterback position this year. And if it's been, it's been because he's been playing against fourth string defenses, then maybe that explains it. But they're going to put him up against the, um, you know, the, the, you know, a more talented uh, unit uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles to start this season. But, uh, you know, he has the exact right recipe of tools to really be a preseason darling. And I, so I think it all makes sense. I think the Browns can win this game. And I definitely think capturing the three is, is value in this spot. So uh, Browns plus three and a half for me. Um, and, you know, this is all kind of goes by the wayside, but the Eagles are a relatively thin team right now. Like if this comes down to how the second units perform in the second half of this game, um, you know, the, the Eagles second unit offensive line has weaknesses uh, and, you know, the defense has been stripped down to a lot of really inexperienced players. So uh, I think, you know, in general, this is a, a decent spot for the Browns playing their third preseason game uh, against the uh, uh, second second preseason game for the uh, Eagles to uh, get a uh, get a win or at least cover a three and a half. So uh, Thursday night football is uh, is back and uh, I'm going to be uh, rocking Cleveland Brown. Yep, I like it. Preseason god, DTR. He was born to uh, wreck this competition. Uh, In terms of other major moves from Open, Panthers-Giants, that total has steamed up three points to 39. Uh, Dolphins opened uh, plus five against the Texans. They're now plus three. 
Colts steaming a little bit on the line. Uh, the Jets, uh, that line has moved a field goal against the Bucks in their favor. Uh, and then the Broncos from minus two to minus four. And the Cowboys-Seahawks total has jumped up a couple of points. Any of those moves that you're interested in chasing the steam there or anything you like to go the other way on are uh, similar to the Browns? Jets makes a ton of sense to me. The uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line is in shambles right now. The Jets and their depth, particularly on the D-line, should be enough to control that game, I would guess. Uh, and similarly, uh, I agree with the Packers team too. That offense looked like it had moments where they were operating – uh, at a uh, much higher level than a lot of the other preseason first-string offenses. And uh, while the Patriots' defense is a unit I have a ton of respect for, this Patriots' offensive line is having issues as well. So um, I would, uh, I'm would i not going to run and grab and lay the three-and-a-half points with the Packers, um, but uh, I agree with that, uh, that directional move. Um, and I think the Jets' minus two-and-a-half makes sense as well. Again, this is their third preseason game, so you have a little bit more continuity. Uh, and this is a little bit more of a game where I think you're going to determine some serious, uh, you know, roster, um, you know, roster spot availability. So uh, Jets are fun. Browns are fun. Those are the only two that I really have my eyes on right now. Yep. I like that. I've uh, I bet some bucks at 10 to one to have the worst record in the NFL. I think they are uh, the second worst team in the league after the Cardinals, uh, I'd say, and their schedule to start isn't super kind either. They go at Minnesota, Chicago, Philadelphia, at New Orleans, Detroit, Atlanta, at Buffalo. Uh, I think there's a good chance that they're going to start off the season with, you know, they'll be could be could be one and six, and it's Kyle Trask time. And if it's Kyle Trask, Trask time, uh, then I think that they are pretty live to have the worst record. All right, before we get into uh, your wheelhouse, the U.S. Open women's uh, outright. A reminder that MLB Sunday leadoff heads to Texas, where the Seattle Mariners take on last year's World Series champions, the Houston Astros. Watch these two teams not only battle for position in the AL West, but for the postseason as well. Catch the action live this Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in... Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. All right, U.S. Open women's singles contenders. Uh, 
the, I think the beauty with all these outright markets is that outside of the French, where her favoritism is very much justified, Iga Sviantek starts every other Grand Slam uh, about three times as short as she should be. She's plus 225 to win the US Open uh, ahead of familiar faces, Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rabakina. And then we have Jess Pagula at eight to one. I could not dream of backing Caroline Garcia at 10 to one to win the US Open. Uh, sorry, Caroline. And then the very much in form Coco Goff, uh, who seems to have really changed up her forehand. And then uh, Ons Jabeur, who I'm not going to be getting involved with. Vondrasova. Uh, and then the girl I want to get your opinion on, uh, Ludmilla Samsonova. But uh, what's your early read uh, on the odds board? Yeah, I think. Um my general sentiment that the uh, field was catching Iga, um, as we previewed Wimbledon, had a lot to do with grass and Iga's inexperience there. Uh, I do think that she is the class of the field in terms of hard court, um, you know, at least the slower hard court. And I'm assuming that we're going to see slower conditions at the U.S. Open than what we see at the likes of Australia or even at Cincinnati. Typically, the U.S. Open, um, you know, plays pretty similarly to the Indian Wells. It's a little bit faster than Indian Wells, but... Um, you know, I would expect that uh, Iga ought to be the clear favorite here. And I think Sabalenka and Rabakina, who closed the gap big time on her over the balance of the first half of the season, neither has been in especially good form. Rabakina has not bounced back from the illness she suffered uh, at the French Open. And Sabalenka looks like she's had the double fault issues creep back into her game in a way that's taken her out of some matches that she should otherwise have won without really much of a sweat. Um, so, yeah, I think you can pretty much put a line through Sabalink and Rabakana at those prices. I think they're vulnerable to even get into the uh, semifinal range of this tournament. Um, Jess Pagula, I, you know, congratulations on winning Montreal. That was, a, you know, a very hard fought, um, you know, certainly quarterfinal, semifinal. Um, but she basically got Samsonova to lay down on the, after, you know, very quick turnaround beating uh, Rabakina and you know, didn't didn't really have much of a challenge in the final itself. I don't think Pagula uh, at a Grand Slam setting with the pressure of the Uf U.S. Open is a, and at the price of eight to one is something I want any part of. Um, but Coco Goff at uh, ten to one is intriguing to me because uh, um, I don't know if Pagula and Goff felt the pressure of the fact that they really weren't performing especially well this season, uh, or if they felt the pressure of you know they weren't doing well in the rankings. Uh, you know the, the season-ending rankings. Neither one was you know coming close to their performances last year. So it, you know to a degree, I think it uh, you know they it, there was an importance for both of them in this stage of their careers to uh, really turn it up at this point in the calendar. And they're coming off now back-to-back -back you know each each uh, respective title, Coco Goff in DC and Pagula in Montreal. And you know I think if either one of them shows up well here in Cincinnati, they have a decent chance to go off either co second favorite or second favorite for the U.S. Open as there is a general spirit to bet the U.S. players at this tournament. Um, Coco Goff would be my lean between those two, just given the quality that I've seen from her, particularly in D.C. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, realistically, there are elements to her game that we just didn't see at all um, in the first seven months of the season. So uh, excited to see her. I hope she does well. Obviously, you know, cheering for Americans at the U.S. Open is an easy, easy ask for me, but um, you know, down the board, uh, if I had to take a shot on, uh, you know, you make a great point. Caroline Garcia is wildly out of form. Um, and if I had to take a long, you know, a long shot on a, a relative unknown, cause you know, to a degree, the U S open is a little bit of a coming out party opportunity. A lot of these players have played a lot of tennis this season. There are, there's fatigue issues, there are travel, uh, you know, travel issues, 
with how much travel they're doing in the hottest part of the season. So, you know, there are definitely opportunities for lesser known players to break out. Uh, And the one that's not on this list that intrigues me is um, Mira Andriva. Um, She showed us something special at the French Open. She's backed it up with solid, uh, you know, solid results here and there, but albeit not like being a mainstay on tour. Um, You know, draw is going to determine a lot of how far she goes in this tournament, but uh, I'm excited to see what she looks like at the U.S. Open, and uh, I'm going to price shop for the best price uh, on her before she, uh, you know, really starts to steam as we get closer to this thing kicking off. Yeah, no, that's a good point on Andreva, uh, who is going to win a Grand Slam at some point, uh, and who knows, it could be this time around in New York. Uh, Ludmilla Samsonova, who broke my heart last year. I think I had her at like 70-1 to 1 to win the U.S. Open because... Her lead-up form last year, I mean, she, didn't lose a, she didn't lose a match in the lead-up to the U.S. Open. She won back-to-back tournaments in Washington and Cleveland. And then, uh, talk about the U.S. Open in a second, then she won the tournament on hard court after the U.S. Open in Tokyo, I want to say, and beating Elena Rabakina there as well. Uh, and then in the U.S. Open, she was rolling. She got to the fourth round, didn't, hadn't dropped the set. Uh, and then just completely bottled it against Isla Tomjanovic in a way that was a really impressive and aggressive bottling of it. And I know that's kind of Samsonova's MO, where she has, I think, all the tools. When she is on with her power, she can just be totally unplayable. And she's coming off a tournament now where she beat Arena Sabalenka. She closed favorite in the market over Elena Rabakina, which I know you and I didn't understand, but still, the market closed her favorite and she beat her. Uh, and now there are prices out there where she's like 40 to 1, 50 to 1 to win the US Open. Surely you just can't be 50 to 1 to win the US Open if you just close favorite over Elena Rabakina and you just beat Arena Sabalenka and Rabakina. Uh, is, she worth, is she worth it at that kind of price? I know she's got some demons. I worry about her fitness, surely. Like uh, okay. two week tournaments. Looks like the Pacific Ocean might have got Drew, uh, so I'll close us out here. Uh, I think with Sam Sonover, I think what Drew is probably going to say is that she's dealt with a lot of injuries and she just hasn't really had the experience of getting deep in Grand Slams. And whenever she has been in these monster matches, she has wilted a little bit. But uh, I will still endorse a bet on Sam Sonover in the 40-1, to 50-1 range. I just think the talent is too great. And her form on hard court, particularly in these American swings the past two years, has just been, uh, or North American swings the past two years, has just been uh, so impressive that I think she is probably the best long shot. I don't think Sviantek at plus 225, even if she should be the favorite, I think if you just add up the money lines of what she's going to be in her seven matches, you're going to get a better price than plus 225. Uh, and then outside of that, I mean, Ons Jabert plus 1200, can't go down that road again. Vondrasova 14 to 1, again, far too short for her. So I think Sam Sonova is the best play. I think if you can get. Coco Goff in the 14 to 1, 16 to 1 range, which I think is out there. I think with the form that she showed recently, looking like a new player in a way uh, and at home as well, I think that is also uh, worth a bet. And then you've just got to take on Sabalenka and Rabakina and Pugula, who could all win the US Open, but at these current prices, plus 450 Sabalenka, 6 to 1 Rabakina, 8 to 1 Pugula, you've just got to go down uh, and take them on and not, not indulge uh, in those kind of prices. And I think Eager, again, has to be a bet against at the current price, even if she is the most likely player to win. All right, 
we are done for now. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher, Drew Dinsick, and the Pacific Ocean, we'll be back tomorrow.